Welcome to What the Fit, a podcast about what it means to be fit, whatever the fuck that means. I'm your host, Chrissy Grody, and I'm helping to share the stories of cool people doing cool shit from fitness trainers to wellness coaches, entrepreneurs, and entertainers. We'll hear the behind the scenes journey, all the different ways we can take care of ourselves. And of course, we'll answer and explore the big question of what does being fit mean to you? My guest today is a comedian, writer, podcast host, and on-air radio personality. He's toured the country performing comedy. He's written a serious XM radio show for Lance Bass, and he has over a million followers on Twitter. He spent years in LA, but is back now in his hometown of Cincinnati. Please welcome Andy Ruther of the Dirty Sports Podcast. Hi, Andy. Big shot today. Wow, that's a uh, we got a big shot that's here. That's an intro there, Chrissy. <laughs> I mean, like, like you, like you set the bar way too high. And uh, I'm, just gonna... I, I'm not lying about anything. Well, well, like the, the the social media is like combined followers. No one cares. No from one needs other to, accounts. No one needs to know. All in total, you. And what you are putting out into the Twitter sphere, a hundred a million people are following it. That's just so many. Do you think about that? Do you like have a concept of what it's like for a million people to like be seen like know what's coming out of your head? Well, at this point I don't know how many of them are bots, right? Oh. Don't they do a little cleanup every once in a while? Yeah, they do, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like I know. Still, hate, that's still a lot. I hate social media at this point. Why do you hate it? Because I just find it so toxic. And the funny part is, I've made so much of my living off of it. So I basically am not on Instagram right now. Well, that's probably a good thing. That's good for you. Like, like, okay, when you go on, when you go on Instagram. Yes, I go on Instagram. I don't know, twenty thousand times a day. Like, when you look at your iPhone, how often? What kind of hours are you putting into Instagram? I don't fucking look at that shit. You should. Andy. No, you should. no, I don't you need should. to know. I know I have a problem and that's that and I'm not taking any steps to remedy. But don't you think that's a fake world? Um, Especially as a female, what we're putting out there as far as everything from the filters to the looks to... Ev- I think it's a fake world, but you can have real connection. I have met a lot of people and formed really great, meaningful relationships sure. through Instagram. I don't disagree with that, but so this this was my idea I had back in the day. I'll okay, just, tell me. I wanted to create a dating app where you couldn't okay. have filters. Okay, absolutely. That should be a thing. I I do not agree with the filters thing on Instagram. I think it's it's fun to play, but it's gotten too extreme. I, I did the, I had a recent exercise, election night. I got wasted. I drank a bottle of wine to myself, smoked a bunch of weed. I'm sitting on the couch and what, what is there to fucking watch on the election, right? Just yeah. nothing. So what I did was I just like went through all these crazy filters and I was just sending them to a bunch of my friends, like just kind of being ridiculous. And they would, res- some would respond back like, oh, beautiful. You're so pretty. I'm like, that's not me. That's a fil- That's not what I look like. You know, yeah. that's not what I look like. So it, I think it's like we can definitely fuck with people. It's like those those Khloe Kardashian pictures. Yes. Have you seen those? Yes, I've seen them. You can get a new face, Andy. That's not even a... You can get a brand new face. So like humble brag here, I've met Chloe. Okay, yes. Good, good. She, she did our go. radio show when I used to work for Lance Bass. By the way, 
very sweet, lovely lady. Yeah. She's pretty. Like, she's not... My point was, in person, and this was 2015, so it's five so years ago. So it's a ago. different face then. Yeah, okay. Than we have now in 2020. She, <laughs> she looked great. No, of course. It's I, sat, not- I sat right next to her for two hours, and then I see these pictures, and I'm thinking, who is this person now? It's It's a mental disorder. Like, you start going... And then with the filters... I mean, it's so easy. I put a filter on my face. I'm like, damn, my nose is slim. Like, look at those cheeks. Like, I'm smoothed out. Like, it is very easy for me to see why you then take a picture, go somewhere and be like, you can do this. I know you can. That's what I'm saying. So I have basically taken a stance when I do post anything. I haven't put any filters. Do you do hashtag no filter? No. (laughs) I don't. I should, though. That's a thing, right? You gotta call it out. I just, I can't imagine being a kid in high school now. Oh, no, it's terrible. Remember how much high school sucked? I mean, I personally loved high school. Where'd you go to school? I went to Canton Central Catholic. Okay. Up in Canton, Ohio. Sure. And you went to say next. I did. Yeah. Wait, let's do a real quick how we got connected because I think it's pretty funny because it's like no matter how far away you go to LA, you work with Lance Bass, you got all these Twitter followers, all this shit, small town Cincinnati always rears its head. Yeah. So we got connected through Robin Cohen, which this that's not too weird. She lived in L.A., obviously. Mutual friends. We're all mutual friends. She lived in L.A. You lived in L.A. You're from Cincinnati. She came to Cincinnati. But then we discover that your brother has played and coached rugby with my husband for like years. Crazy. Crazy. And I did not put two and two together with the last names, but I'm like, this is so Cincinnati. In fact, my brother and his wife were at your wedding. Yes. Yes. I know. Like, like, that's great. Like, they were at I, your wedding. I know. No, it's bizarre. It's just so Cincinnati. It is a small world. I've learned that. But not even not even just Cincinnati. I mean, I've had some, I've had some crazy experiences. Here's a crazy one. Tell I'm me. in Sevilla, Spain. Okay. I'm at a bar, uh-huh. just getting ripped, right? I'm in sure. college. I sure. studied abroad for a semester in college. Somebody taps me on my back. I turn around. It's a kid who I went to St. Louis University. Uh-huh. It's a kid who I went to school with freshman year who transferred to move back to Texas. What are the odds that no. he's in this bar at Sevilla, Spain at the same moment? And get this. He was in my fraternity freshman year, too. Okay. See, now this, I've been watching a lot of Doctor Who. Do you have, Are you familiar with Doctor Who, the television show? No, tell me about it. You don't know about Doctor Who? No. So it started, I think, in like the 70s originally, and then they did a remake early 2000s. And it's basically, it's a time traveling doctor, alien. He can travel through space and time. Okay. Is, and he, is he Asian? No. Do I sound racist for saying that? <laughs> doctor Who. <laughs> Everyone's no. like, he's canceled. It's, he's it's, racist. It's W-H-O, like Doctor Who, not W-O-O. But okay. honestly, very fair point. Okay. Um. Anyways, it's just like sci-fi. And he has always like, a companion. What and- channel is this on? It's on HBO Max now. Okay. So I'm watching like this. The last gotcha. episode was like 2007. But um, because it's like he can travel through space and time, he can go beyond, he can go to the future, he can whatever, 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 different parallel universes. But there's like, you know, different like strings that tie people together or maybe like not like a destiny thing, but maybe. So yeah. when I hear you talk about this guy like he was supposed to be in your timeline. Maybe for some reason they'd buy you a drink. No, you know what happened? Actually, we we got. Yeah, we partied all night. Yeah, perfect. And we met these two girls from Indiana. We both thought we were going to get lucky. Neither of us did. And it was me and him shamelessly drinking together till like 5 a.m. Oh, I thought you were going to say then you guys hooked up. No. That'd, that'd be a great little <laughs> twist, though. It would be. It would be. Okay, so we you came on. You were going to come on. You said you're an open book. 
Yeah. You'll talk about anything. And so in the spirit of transparency and honesty, I want to start by saying I don't like your co-host of the Dirty Sports Podcast. Oh, why not? So I I, I listened. Oh, did you hear the, the one about anti-Midwest? Uh-huh. uh-huh. And I heard him come off as a California elitist you- talking shit <laughs> about people in the Midwest saying everyone wants to move to California. If I wanted to move to California, I love California. If I wanted to move there, I would. Saying, talking shit about people working at Applebee's. Applebee's was my first job. And I think I'm doing pretty good. And he would say, he's right then. Because <laughs> you worked at Applebee's. I did. Yep. Um, no, but you, I think that you, you agree with me. You agreed with me. You, you agreed with my sentiment. Well, look, I love Joe. I've known Joe for, we met at the comedy store over 10 years ago. We've been doing a show for almost seven years. He, we've had a joke forever on our show about the qual because people always argue with us quality of life. And obviously I just moved back. It, it, it's a weird saying because that's kind of a, like that term means something to different people, right? Yeah, totally. So like someone's quality of life could be a house in a yard. Whereas like my quality of life for 13 years was the beach was across the street from yes. me. Yes. Right. Well, I think it's not a fair comparison. Yes, we're in the middle of the country. We're not going to have a beach and mountains, but it doesn't mean that we're lesser humans. Oh, well, that's just him getting triggered, <laughs> which he's actually not even from California. He's from New York. Oh. oh, that makes a lot of sense then. So that's him just going off and see, this goes back to social media. That's letting people trigger him from social media well then i was triggered by him exactly so there's we have a chain of trigger a trigger chain it's happening like six degrees of triggering <laughs> this is what i'm saying this is why this stuff is cancer we're now talking about it because he talked about it because somebody tweeted him or dm'd him something. oh that's what started it that's what it always starts it oh because because look this, so i really think twitter is the problem yeah and and as guys who come from the comedy side like that's our main focus, right? Twitter, because that's yes. kind of always been the comedian's thing, right? It's like your platform out into the Herald Square. Yeah, whatever. like I've I talked about Instagram earlier, but I've never really been on there, or gotten into it. It's it's more of Twitter and writing jokes yes. or getting the updates on sports or politics. No, yeah, it's the good. That's the platform for that. For you know, sure. any of those things, but even that is just so. I'll show you. I have a new Twitter feed, which I don't want to reveal on air. That's pretty new. Oh, you have to give us a What the Fit exclusive. But it's growing. I can't. Okay, fine. It's like my new baby. How many Twitter feeds do you have? How many Twitter accounts do you have? I don't know. Like, How do you keep track of all of them? What's the longest time you've ever spent crafting a tweet? Oh, not that long. A lot of it's just easy content. You just throw grab. it out? Yeah. Sometimes that's how I feel about my Instagram captions. I'm like, you feel the pressure sitting on them, sitting on them, reworking it. I have maybe something going on in my notes section and I like try it out. Don't you think that's crazy that that are, you know, it releases serotonin. Uh huh. Totally. And that's known now. The same release you might get if you have sex or do a drug, or, you know, like yeah. a good positive feeling. Yeah. It's releasing that because of likes from strangers. Yeah. How crazy is that? Yeah, it is pretty crazy. I think it's. I think it's fascinating. I think it's just another way for us to express ourselves. I'm all for that. But you you know what's you know what I, you know what I'm trying to do now? It's not easy. What? Is fire something off, like write a tweet and then walk away. Oh, and not look at the like the guy who blew up the building and walked away. 
Yeah. Not see the likes, not see the replies. Or, or here was one I've debated on Instagram. It's, to me, this is a power move. Okay, let's hear it. I have a power move on Instagram too, but I want to hear yours. This is a big F you to anybody. You remove comments. So, So you're basically saying, hey, do you like my post? But I don't care about, I don't need your positivity. Ooh. I don't need you to stroke my ego. I'm just like, yeah. fuck you. Oh, I don't know how I feel about that. I See? get it. I get it. But, but it, it's also, it's just a way for me to get connected and like have a conversation with people yeah, and like, we're going to go talk about this other thing or we can start a conversation with where I got my shirt or like, how is this new bar? Look, you do. You, I'm not saying... I'm no, I know. Saying, I'm not like, going to change. This is something that I'm like struggling with or dealing with because I think a lot of people are. I don't think we change. It's not just social media. It's the comment section, right? It's I, f- I find myself reading way too many comments underneath a news story and you're like, you're not changing these um, people's opinions. Yeah, I don't do that. I don't do that. I don't I don't. I don't really get into it. Like I have Twitter, but I don't follow everyone. I only got Twitter when um honestly the protest i gotta be when the protest started in cincinnati and there were like curfews happening all over yeah. or there was like crazy shit going on and someone was like oh follow this like cincinnati news thing he'll like tell you what's going on so that was the only reason i even got twitter that's why it's great you have For constantly news. news updates yeah you know ahead of everybody right what right happens. right 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 but but no, I'm not. I don't. I don't like sit in the comments of anywhere. I don't go down rabbit holes. I'm just like let me like scroll and shop and like see what my friends are doing yeah. and like show people what I'm wearing and that's that. So I noticed the theme there. It's all about wearing. Yeah, I I I love to sh- to look at what people are wearing. How many hours a day do you think you spend on checking out what people are wearing? <sighs> Average on a day for total for a total day, I would say an hour and a half. So you spend 90 minutes a day. 90 minutes. And it's not all at once, right? It's probably broken up. If 15 mul- minutes here, 10 minutes there. If you multiplied that by 365 days. Yeah. I don't get at math. I'm not either. But I'm saying like if we did the amount of hours a year. But what, okay, what am, what am I going to, what else am I going to do? No, Where this, am I going to put that time? This, this is my point. This is what I'm going to get to. Is that. I can think of a million other better And this isn't me trying to. <laughs> Like, convince me <laughs> light you under the fire and say this is just you because it's all of us it shows the amount of time because mine might be allocated a different way yes that we aren't actually fulfilling our maximum potential does that make sense a hundred percent i'm not fulfilling my maximum potential because i because i'm the sa- again i'm the same way like i just bought an arcade video game oh yeah i heard you talking about a video game i'm so excited about it. <laughs> yeah okay let's talk about that and that's my point <laughs> that's just as bad like like it's just as bad like now granted i find it relaxing especially if i can like smoke a bowl yeah. and then say hey i'm gonna go play miss pac-man yes. for 30 minutes right you know that's my decompressing yeah no i think that's great and i think if it's i think it's fine too there you can overdo anything Right. Yeah. If you want to take ten minutes at the end of your day, sure. fifteen minutes, and you mindlessly scroll and you're looking at pretty things and you're getting inspiration for yourself or whatever it is, thinking of a gift that you want to get someone for Christmas, who cares? Yeah. We need like let's be be gracious with ourselves. Sure. In, right now, you want to play video games. I want to spend seven hundred dollars on Revolve.com. What's the what website? Revolve.com. What's that? Uh, it's an online shopping 
store. Yeah. But there's like all different brands. And listen to this. Listen to how I really work the system. So I'm married to a financial advisor, right? Sure. We are totally opposite when it comes to our ideals and philosophy on money, okay? That's he, good. He grew up on the west side of Cincinnati. Yeah. I call them west side Jews. Obviously, they're all Catholic, but no one spends money over there. Yeah. Everyone just saves money and saves money. And they don't spend. They're very frugal. That's great. I grew up super poor. So my idea to money is like, if I have it, I'm going to spend it. Sure. And I want to buy expensive things because fuck it, I can. So he would always be on me about shopping, right? Or like budgeting or yeah. whatever, whatever. And he was asking me actually about kind of like, what are some up and coming kind of things that he could look into like, uh, research for stock purchases. Yeah. And I was like, well, I think a lot of people are online shopping. Revolve just went public. Maybe you should look into that. Especially in 2020. Right, exactly. So he bought stock in Revolve. So now, whenever I say anything about shopping, he's like, oh, Revolve? Yeah, yeah. Go. It was the smartest thing I've ever done in my life, Andy. So you It was the smartest thing I ever done so in my you, life. You're basically like, hey, me buying these clothes <laughs> is, pro you're profiting <laughs> from me getting a new outfit or yes. something. Yes, exactly. I know I'm a genius. See, th this is the difference between women and men. Like women are smart enough to think this. Dudes aren't thinking this through. No, not at all. But anyways, I don't know how we got any of Let's Okay, let's let's talk about how you came back to Ohio. But how did you get out to LA in the first place? What brought you out there? What are all the <laughs> Great. Okay, that's good. You could have flown. You could have taken a train. True. When did you like want to be a comedian? Did writing come first? How did all that get going? You did a comedy tour to colleges. Like, let's talk about that. I want to hear about that. So I basically, I, I, want, I saw a show in New York City in college. I was a freshman. Mm -hmm. I was 19. I went to a, a Comedy Central. They used to have something called Stand Up. Was it Stand Up Presents? Or I forget what it was called. Like a 30-minute, someone's like 30-minute special. Mm -hmm. And I was with a bunch of guys in my fraternity. My older brother was there too. And I was like, I think I can do that. You, you looked at someone standing on stage telling jokes and you thought you could do that? Well, I was always the wild guy. Like, I was kind of the class clown. But, like, I, I would, would hope so if you consider yourself a comedian. Yeah, but most comedians, a lot of them are introverted. I know. You're, people, you're, that's right. People don't realize that. Like, a lot of the very, very funny and talented comics aren't. I'm, I'm extroverted, but a lot of them aren't. And uh, I was like, I think I can do that. And everybody was like, no, you can't. And once I, when people tell me I can't do something. Sure. So that seed was planted there and I didn't start writing for a couple years and then So comedy came you wanted to be a com a comedian before you wrote before yeah, you started writing. I just I wanted to be a performer cuz I was always I've been always been a little attention whore. Yeah. So I was always like I was the guy who was always getting naked in college. Like I was that oh, guy. Oh, okay. Like, like like I don't get embarrassed too easily. Yeah. So yeah. um basically I performed the first time I performed was at a sorority talent competition in college at st louis university did you prepare or did you just go up yeah no i prepared okay and how long was your it was like a performance like a three to five minute bit okay there's I, a I, lot i still remember some of the jokes they're you so do bad. they're so bad okay well i even watched we were talking about joe rogan before we started recording i watch his old stand-up and i'm like this is painful yeah comics don't like to watch old stuff it's cringeworthy like i feel like you just because progress you, so much. You yeah. Do. You evolve so much and the things you find funny like then versus now. And then I started doing the open mic in St. Louis. Was that not is that not terrifying? Yeah, but it's also like it's like a drug. Yeah. 
So like I tell people, when you when you really make a whole room laugh, a room of strangers, like when you crush, as they say, right? Yeah. The high is like, I don't really think you could put like a drug high or like a sexual high. Like it's it's totally different. It's such a amazing experience, and I think part of that that fear is what makes it so great. But then also when you bomb and eat shit, yeah, it's so humbling. Yeah, because everybody bombs, right? Even the greats all the time. So I don't know. And I basically at that point was in school and I was like, I want to do this. And then I moved out to Las Vegas for a couple of years and was studying acting. What did you study at school? So my degree is in secondary education in English. Okay. And uh, I did I did my two year tour, I say Uh my two year stint like it was time in Las Vegas and then on to L.A. Did you perform in Vegas? Yeah, we do like ratty bar shows around okay. town sure and uh i was a teacher which thought of that i taught for a whole year does that has to be some good material oh my god i taught i used to have so many jokes about it i taught like straight up gangbangers yeah <laughs> well the thing about vegas which i don't know like people live there yeah and the people that live there Here's a different, here's, here's a different guy here's the thing about <laughs> vegas i always tell people so imagine moving so like here's me I graduate school in May. Mm-hmm. By August, I'm living in Las Vegas where I had never even been. Oh. And I was a wild kid too. So imagine just putting me in that city of temptation and debauchery. And there's there's 24 hours and people don't realize it's not just the strip. Yeah. So the bar across the street from where I live, there's no last call. That's insane. And I was the guy who always needed a last call. Yeah. <laughs> like, please send me home. <laughs> so the amount of times you walk out somewhere, right, and the sun's up, and you're like, well, today's shot. You know, it's 6, 7, 8, you know, 8 a.m. And, yeah, I did I did my little stint there, and I somehow survived. I mean, I have so, I have so many stories. Like, I forget stories, and then I'll remember them. Like, the fact that I'm alive is... is <laughs> I'm pretty lucky. Wait, is this where you were talking, where you mentioned that you almost died from an alcohol-related traumatic injury? Yeah, so I basically- Was that in Vegas? No, that was in Los Angeles. Oh, okay. I had a traumatic brain injury. I woke up on a sidewalk. Oh my gosh. With fractured skull, blood coming out of my ear. This was April 5th, 2014, and I haven't drank since. Oh, yeah. that was like a the, the last call oh, I, that I had, you needed. I had so many, Chrissy, I had so many wake up <laughs> calls that I ignored. When I was in college, I took my dad's car. This is actually visiting being back here in Ohio. Yeah. I wanted White Castle so bad at 3 a.m. I drove off the side of the road, went right over a fire hydrant. It was like old guys are spitting yeah. out the car. Yeah. Like yeah. stuff like that. Did you get the the White Castle? No. Damn. I got arrested. <laughs> <my God. laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've been arrested a few times. Like, like I've, I've lived it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel like that's very in line for the lifestyle that a lot of comics live. I think there's, there's oh, something, sure. there's something that like goes hand in hand. Like, I think that you, you're like wires are crossed in your brain a little bit. Well, I, I, you gotta be a little off, I think. Yeah, I think so. If you want to tell jokes to strangers. Yeah. <laughs> So. Because if you think about it, I always tell people this, and I know I'm going to be a little biased. The whole art of stand-up comedy versus the other arts. And I love all the arts, yeah. but like acting, music, whatever. At least in those, you have an instrument or somebody else. Where like, 
Stand up is no, it's just you yeah. and a microphone talking to strangers. If you really break it down to its core, like, that's totally fucked up. Yeah, it is. It's insane. It sounds like the most terrifying thing. I've had I had another which I have to I'll have to introduce you to Natalie Jones. She's a radio DJ here locally. Oh yeah, I went to school she, with her sister. Oh okay, Jessica. Everyone, everyone Cincinnati knows Natalie the yeah. the family. Um, but she like lived in LA for a year. She went out. She won like an artist grant to do stand up comedy and Telluride. Um, she hasn't like really done too much in comedy lately, but she it, that's you know it's like in her blood. But she yeah. kind of talked about in the same vein of like it's terrifying and terrible and feels gross until it's like then you're happening and then it's like amazing yeah there's so many mixed feelings that goes on in that like the performance space and a lot of times you think you're onto something and you're not or then you're shocked that something worked you know it's it is. It's a, it's a crazy thing, but you're yeah. right. It definitely, back to your point, you, you definitely have, what I've noticed, a lot of like comics are like just so talented and really dorky, but then you have a good amount too that are kind of wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you were out in LA, how did you get the job with, well, you, you toured around, right, to like college campuses. Is so, that right? Yeah. I used to do this thing called Frat Boys of Comedy. Okay. Where I would go to colleges. Yes. And fraternities. Yes. And I did like 50 or 60 shows over a couple of years. Wow. That's got to be good practice. Like just a, and that's a good niche too. That's oh, so hard. Because you think, I mean, obviously you don't think, you know, you did it, but why is it so hard? Well, like that setup, you don't know what you're walking into. Right. Imagine okay. like a hundred drunk frat kids and you throw in some girls, like, like you'd have great shows. Then you'd have shows where nobody listened you're right. for an hour and you're okay. like, I'm just getting paid. This yeah. is cool. Right. Like, yeah. And then they want to get you drunk afterwards. I found myself in some pretty wild situations. And precarious. I would well, college, they're over eighteen, I guess. Yeah. Are you just like do you are you ever how I talked about it, like I've just been I've been waiting for a hater and I've been waiting for like a sexual misconduct claim. And like when I get that, I will know I've made it. <laughs> <laughs> like I I need someone to come out and be like back in fucking t- 2007 like Chrissy got real whatever at a bar I don't know what it's gonna be yeah but I think uh I think it's a little different right it's one of those where I don't know you don't know what I did I I don't I'm curious (laughs) what did you do I don't know I don't remember all of 2011 so it could be something from then you don't remember anything in 2011 I mean it's an exaggeration but I I had like a wild year you went to Miami right yeah this was this was after I graduated. Okay. Yeah, I lived in Columbus for a year, for two years after I graduated. And I was just in with like a crowd. And we just like, we just, it was like standard operating procedure. You blacked out every night when you sure. went out to the bar. Every that, night. That used to be me. Yeah. It's not a fun, it's not a fun way to live. So I kind of like had a come to Jesus moment one time. I, we used to have this day called Chingy Day. And like the rapper? Like the rapper. And it started just because we wanted to start day drinking one day and the boys wanted to listen to Chingy and they were all wearing their robes. And so we named holiday in February, Chingy Day, where you start drinking early, you wear a robe and you only listen to Chingy. It evolved throughout the years. You Your would poor get, ears. I mean, would get, I mean, look, as someone who went to school in St. Louis when he blew up, like Chingy had two like decent albums. It's like three songs on repeat the that's whole what day. I'm saying. But the <laughs> thought of listening to Holiday Inn yes, with Snoop and Ludacris yes, yes. a thousand times. Yes, that's what it was. It evolved to we would we would rent a limo 
So it'd be a whole deal over the night. We'd rent a limo and there was a D-list strip club in Columbus called, um, oh, what the fuck was it called? It'll come to me. Um, I bet you I've been to it. You might have. I've like, been to a couple strip clubs in Columbus. It, it's like you can bring your own liquor in. They'll give you the plastic shot glasses. That's some ghetto shit. You could like go. <laughs> like I've been there when the sun is was out. Okay. So we would get a limo, go to this stupid strip by club. The way, by the way, can we talk about that for a minute? <laughs> like like you're like high class. You get a limo and then you go to a strip club. It's uh-huh. like BYOB. Yes. It was terrible. We were like 23. Yeah. Like it was ridiculous. So, anyways, are, are there other girls going? Yeah, yeah. There's like a couple girls. It's like mostly guys, but there's a couple yeah, girls. I'm just curious. Like, I don't know how women are with strip clubs at times. So I was like a, I was like one of the boys. I can tell. Like you're yeah. chill. Yeah, exactly. And so, and I love strip clubs. Yeah, I love to go to strip clubs to this day. They're a lot of fun because I don't fucking have to do anything. Sure. No one's paying attention to me. No yeah. one really wants to talk to me. I can just like sit back kick my feet up and looking at beautiful women sure and it's just like peaceful i get it so when i lived in las vegas we used to always go to spearmint rhino yes i've heard of that one so like i haven't that, been there though that's like the big one yeah the big and one where all the celebrities go and the thing is if you're a local there's no cover how you if you have a yeah Los, uh, you have nevada. like a nevada driver's yeah, license okay so you know whatever so it's like you're when I lived there, that's 30 bucks you don't have to pay. Yeah, it's like nice entertainment. And I loved it because I'm not a lap dance guy. Yeah. Because I'm not, I'm more of like, I'm always a curious person. They're like, I love the people watch. Yes. So we would do that. We would go to strip clubs, excuse me, till like five, six in the morning. I get it. Yeah. And no, it's people great. people watch and the creepy guys, it's truly amazing to oh, watch. Oh yeah. This strip club was not great. It was not like that. It was terrible. It was not a good place to be. I woke up like from that, from that one chingy day and I remember- opening my eyes in the morning and I was like, I will never feel like this again. I will never feel like this again. And so I had to move. That's why I actually, that's why I moved to Cincinnati. Really? I had to leave Columbus. I was, it was just like. Was it the chingy day or actually hearing <laughs> right there on repeat again and again and again? It was a You're lot. like, my head hurts right there. It was a lot. I was not taking care of myself. I was not living my best life. So how old are you at this time? If you want me asking. I was like 23, 24. So you're a kid. Yeah, I was totally a kid. Totally good. And like I had a, I could, I maintained my job. Like yeah. my life wasn't like falling apart, but I did not have good social relationships. Sure. I was not healthy. You know, it was just, I needed to get away. That's so, a, you know, that's a pretty mature decision for you to make at that age. I mean, it was looking pretty bleak, but yeah, but still, I don't think, I think a lot of people don't see what's in front of them to make that change. Yeah. I also, when I was in college, yes, ever, I was partying a ton, of course, but I also had really meaningful friendships. Yeah. And so I, I like I was that's what I was missing. And I knew like for me, that's so, so important. Sure. It's like the ethos of my being. And so I knew I think it was a pretty easy trigger to be like, you're not living in alignment. Like if yeah. you don't have these good relationships and these good people around you, not to say there was no good people around me, but. It was an easy flag to be like, you got to, you got to go. And if that means moving to a new city, that's what But that's <laughs> good. You trusted your intuition. A lot yeah. of us, and I, I think I do it at times too, like where you ignore what your mind or body's telling you. Yeah. Oh yeah. So important. Yeah. Totally. To not do that. To just trust yourself. I know. It's hard. It takes practice. And, it and, does. And that was probably an, a first step in good action for me to take being that young yeah and since it's like only gotten better sure i would never do, be in that position now but um okay so talk then you when did you start writing for lance bass 
2015. 2015. How'd you get that job? Oh, uh, so ridiculous. So I, they were holding a contest. Sirius XM or who? No. So, so you know Mark Burnett, the producer? No. He does Survivor and a, like a ton oh, of shows. Yes, I know Survivor. Like, he's made a lot of money. So he okay. produces a lot of reality shows. Okay. So he's like the guy behind all these. So he had this company that he had just started called dreamjobbing.com i think okay so they needed a new writer and his co-host drew was like we gotta hire a writer because drew was his i don't know how he did it he was his co-host his producer and his writer. He's like we need extra help here yeah so i actually a girl i had met on tinder mm. this is so the fun. tinder days yeah but this is so funny like we never even went on a date she saw me live like she ended up going to like a comedy club in la uh -huh. and it was one of those where like you match and you don't talk and she ends up like dating somebody else but like we stayed in, like we were cool she's yeah. like oh you're a comic i'd love to see you yeah so then she sent me a message and was like hey i work for this company dream job in this mark burnett company and they're i, I like your twitter a lot like they're looking for a new writer for lance bass and she goes what do you know about lance and i go i don't know anything about lance all i know is he was an insane. He's gay, and he almost went to space. Like those are the three. I little... didn't know he almost went to space. Yeah, huh. he almost went to space because he's like big into the astronaut stuff. Mm. Yeah, that's about all I know about Lance Bass, too. Actually, so she, she's like, submit this minute video for the job, and I didn't do it. And then like, what was the minute video? Like why for? it should be hired? Oh, and you didn't even. <laughs> You didn't even want to do it. And th I didn't. And then like a month later, she's like, dude, this deadline's going to run out. Just submit it. And then I submitted it. And then. So you're just like listening to this Twitter ghost. You've never met her. No, I did meet oh, her. Oh, you did meet her. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. 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 I was like, maybe this is another string in the universe. Yeah. So I did. So I did meet her. But like we hadn't talked in like, like I said, I told you, she was like, went on the date and somebody okay. else. And this was like six months later. She okay. texted me out of nowhere and she's like, hey, man, you, I think you'd be a good fit for this. And then I submitted it. And then to be honest, same thing. I kind of forgot because it was like a month later. I get a call. And he's like, hey, I got it down to like 10 people. And I think you'd be a good fit. And then uh, kind of the rest is history. Wow. I ended up working. So what did that job look like? It was a lot of work. So Lance actually had two shows on SiriusXM. He had his daily show, which was Dirty Pop with Lance Bass. And he had a, he had a Pop 2K countdown. Oh, Okay. So I wrote the countdown. That was just him on air. Yes. So they would do like the top songs of the 2000s during yes. this week. Okay. That's that sucked to write for. Him. Like, what do you? What does he say during those times? So he'd that be time? like, "That's a good question." So he'd be like, "So let's say this week we're counting down the top 40 songs from November 23rd, 2002." So that's what you would do. Like you were going back. Okay. So every week was whatever that was that week. Does that okay. make sense? Yes. Yes. So as the writer, you have the top 40 songs and you need to do the research. So he'd be like, I'm Lance Bass. And coming in at number 38 is Ja Rule with Ashante with blah, blah. Yes. You know, you know, this song actually. So I'm like doing the research. Oh, okay. You're giving a little tidbit about. But what... I'm also having to write in his voice, which I had a learning curve. Because oh, at first, so hard. his co-host was like, yo, dude, you're not writing as Andy Ruther or as like straight white frat boy Andy Ruther. You're writing as former boy band who's gay, who's, you know, like, like. Which, That's so hard. So How I, do you do that? Well, you learn. You learn. Okay. You learn. 
And it was good for me. It was Yeah, it would be great practice, I'm sure. And but. it was the same way for the radio show. You know, I'm having to ask questions or write questions when we have a guest that that Lance might want to know or cover stories that it was a lot of work. Probably I put in five to six hours a day per show. And yeah. then we were live for two hours. Oh, okay. So the prep on it was probably five or six hours for each episode. Um, it was a lot of work, but like, like you get to talk on radio. I would tell people this. My job. No, it sounds amazing. It get, sounds like it's such on, a fun job. You get to talk on radio with, with Lance, his co-host, his husband, whoever, like comedians, celebrities, and just kind of shoot the shit. And right. You out. talk. You talk to Khloe Kardashian. Who else? What? How? What? Name drop a few others, if you if you will, please. Kevin Hart. Okay, that's incredible. Kevin was great. Um, God, why am I, I? I should. We had a lot. Uh, right, because it's every. Was it every day? Did he have a new? We guest? didn't have guests every day. Okay, but we had guests a lot. I loved. You know, it's funny because there's certain ones for me who meant more for me or meant more for them. Yeah. Like, um, I loved Kevin Nealon because he was so funny, mm. and I loved the show Weed and Saturday yes. Night Live, and you know, like he was big. Uh, I forget, I, to be honest, I can't even remember. And what year did you, what years? This was years? like 2015, 2016. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Not that long ago. Yeah. And then, so when did you start the podcast? So the podcast actually started in 2014. Okay. So this was like an overlap. So I was double dipping. So this was the funny thing. I was doing dirty sport. They were both dirty, which was so funny. One was dirty sports. <laughs> the most like dude, bro, yeah. sports, comedy and then there was dirty pop with me and two gay guys talking pop culture stuff. Yeah. So like my day, I'd always joke with people, my day could be so different on the days I did dirty sports and dirty pop. What I would record in the morning versus the afternoon were like You have to just be consuming like so much. I had no life. Like you I would think that to be able to talk about the sport and did you, were you doing twice weekly release at that time too? I was. Like that's, that's so much to know, like have content to talk about, yeah. to write. Like one person's mind is just, you wouldn't even be able to, it's just your own life. Like you wouldn't be able to fill up that much time. So I basically, it's funny that year, I probably slept better that year. That was the first time I ever had a, experienced like mental fatigue nonstop. Oh, like burnout. Because every night I'd be so tired. Yeah. And I would just sleep. Yeah. It was also the fattest I ever got too. Interesting. Yeah. Were you working out? Were you working on it? Were you doing any kind of any kind the of? The irony was, I was around so many good-looking, <laughs> in shape, like model gay dudes all the time. Didn't rub off at all. No, and that's that's why I laugh about it. As I got in, the, I got in so much better shape after our radio show got canceled. Don't you, you hate that you can't get like skinny by proxy? I Don't know. you just, just just rub off? I know, right? But then on the flip side, if you got like chubby by proxy, that would. True. Yeah. So like that year for me was just, or a year and a half or whatever it was, it was, it was pretty, uh, nonstop, yeah. but, it, but it was good. So what, so dirty sports, what does that, how do you describe it? Because I, I listened to a couple episodes, but you know, I'm the least sports person that you're going to meet. So I enjoy, I enjoyed the like banter in the beginning where it sure. was like just you and guys. We get really sports. And heavy. then you get sports and I'm like, I have no idea yeah. what's going on. You know, it's basically us breaking down what we think and our analysis and all that stuff. And I, I'm a big sports dork. So. Have you always been? Yeah. Ever since I was little. Like 
my first love for sports was Cincinnati Reds baseball. Mm. So I'm I'm genuinely curious. I'm not saying this to be an asshole. Yeah, go for it. But like, what do you like about sports? Why do you love them? Because, You're not alone. Because it's 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 one of the fairest things we have out there. It doesn't matter your background, your age, your race. Like the 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 barrier to entry. The barrier to entry is for everybody, which I think is great, and I think that's really cool. And I also think it unifies people and it brings people together. Yeah. And it's also a release. Yeah. So like, you know, as you know, this has been kind of a, not kind of, it's been the shittiest year of my life. Yes. But having sports, I was saying today on today's episode, it's my co-host Joe, mm-hmm. I was like, you know, these NFL Sundays for me have been such a nice release. I'm the guy who, I have the NFL Sunday ticket, so I have literally six games going on at once. Do you have multiple TVs? So you can break it. You can, yeah, I do. But you can also break it down. Like one TV can have like four games on at once. Oh yeah, my my brother says he goes. It's like an ESPN zone. I know. I can. I like. I can imagine. Yeah. So I have them all going. My my older brother and my nephew came over yesterday, and they're like, I think it's 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 like you're in Las Vegas. They're like, there's too much going on here. Right. No, this is me, man. Every Sunday. How do you pay attention to all the different ones? Are they at different times? Do they give you a recap? How do you? Well, you got all the games going on. You learn, you adapt. Okay. But that's but back to your question. That's I. That's what I love is it's a release. It's fair. It's it's all the emotions we have as humans. It's triumph. It's defeat. Yeah. It's hard work. It's overcoming obstacles. Just yeah. all those things all encompassed into one. Yeah, that makes sense. Now that, I I can understand where you're coming from. Did you play sports growing did, up? Yeah. But I was never that good. No? Yeah. yeah. Did, was, what sports did you play? So in high school, I only played football. For okay. Genetics. Okay. But, oh, that's, that's But cool. like. And let's use that term relatively. Yeah, like, I didn't sure. like. I, like, like I, my brothers give me so much shit. I'm the second youngest of five boys, and they all were really good athletes. Mm. And uh, but I was always like the dork who knew all the, the stats. stats. You like and, knew who the players were. Yeah, all that stuff. All that stuff. Yeah, like yeah. I was diehard since I was little. Did you did fitness play a, a role in your life younger, or does it now? Like, do you see it like sports, fitness, any relation? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. So like I started, I ran a few marathons recently. Oh, good for you. Yeah. I hate running. See, I have this weird, it's like, it's, I have a love for it now, but I don't like the restrictions of like a marathon, if that makes sense. I like to just run to run. I always oh, tell people okay. I'm Forrest Gump. Yeah. Like when I go out there. You're just running. I don't know if it's going to be two miles today or 20. See, that is insane to me. I could never, like if, if I go for a run, which is not frequent at all, like maybe a couple times a year, I I like to try a couple times a year just to remind myself that I do in fact still hate it. Sure. But even then I need, I need to know the destiny. I need a route. I need to know where it's going to be so I can like think about how far I have until I have to stop. You want structure. Yes, I need structure. I like structure, yeah. Do you do that with all your other workouts, structure? Um, yes. I like to go on with the game plan. Or like now I'm I work with a strength coach. So I show up and it's like he tells me what to do and that's great. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm always this is kind of how I can be in life though. I'm kind of one of those, like I said, I'm a curious person. I like to just kinda, hey, I'm gonna run, let's see where we go. When I was in Los Angeles, I would never even plan the route. I'm like, am I going to run along the beach today? Am I going to go through the marina? Wow. Am I going to 
let's just figure it out. And that's when I kind of learned that I don't like marathons because you already know the route and I don't like, it's more of a solitary thing for me. Mm. I don't like the fanfare. Mm -hmm. So like my mom, she also helped get me into this. She Mm -hmm. did, she did. So my mom had breast cancer in 2008 and after it went into remission, she started doing half marathons and started walking them. Mm -hmm. You know, she was older. She did like something like 33 or 34 half marathons before she passed away. And basically she loved that. Yeah. She loved the fanfare and we would Right. It's so exciting. It's like this big event. Yeah. I like that. I would do that. Where I'm like, yeah, I'm like, no, I'm going to be by myself and look at the beach when I run. Yeah. I don't need somebody cheering me like, you can do another mile. Yeah. But you know, everybody, it's their own thing. Yeah. 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 So mostly running. Have you done, have you done like any weight gym stuff? Ever it's funny. I, that? I used to do a lot, a lot of that. I so I've dislocated this shoulder three times. Oh. So and then I got back into swimming a couple years ago. Do you swim? I swam on a summer team. Okay. From like like six to thirteen. I was a swimmer. Like in high school. In high school, yeah. It's a great exercise. Like I started probably when I was six till I was nineteen. Yeah. Do you swim was, now? No, I haven't swim in years. Every single summer on my summer fitness bucket list, I say I'm going to go swim at Ziegler Laps, and I've never done it. Why do you not? Like, is it just you got burned out from doing it so much? Yeah, that's why I stopped orig- originally. I swam a year in my uh, freshman year of college, and then I was just like, I'm done. And then I tri- trained for a triathlon for a little bit. I never actually did it, but I trained for one. So I was like swimming a little bit then. That's some badass shit. Yeah. I didn't do it, but, and it was only, I was only trained for a sprint one. So it's like condensed versions of each. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I mean, I, I truly don't have a reason why. And I belong to the Y they have a pool. Like I have no, I think it's just the whole act, right? Like you have to go to a locker room. Sure. You have to put a swim cap on. I bought a swim cap. I bought goggles to do my fall bucket. It's just not happening. I see. I understand that. I, I, <laughs> no, but I get. I know it sounds ridiculous <laughs> to some people. I get that it's a whole act. That's what got me into running was, especially living right next to the beach. Yeah. I say to myself, you throw on a pair of shorts and running you shoes. Just go outside or go barefoot, and, and you're there. Yes, totally. Like I can totally decompress for you know 45, 60 minutes, do whatever yeah. I want. And swimming, then you're wet. You have to dry off. Yeah. That's it's <laughs> like a whole thing. It's old thing. Anyway, so what brought you back to Cincinnati? So the pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. I don't know if people have heard about this. There's mm-hmm. a there's a pandemic going on. Mm-hmm. There is one going on out there. And uh, I came back, came back May eighth. Okay, okay. So this was. I mean, you spent like March, April in LA, and that was like major shutdown times. Major shutdown. You couldn't even go to the beach. Yeah, right. I heard about that. So me being a lunatic, I started running at night which oh. was actually exhilarating. Because you're like not supposed to be out either. No, you could be out, but you were running on streets that would normally be packed with cars. I'd be running on streets. And I there was something to it that like I That's got off fun. on. Yeah, it's a little like, like apocalyptic. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Was the, did the traffic just like clear? I mean, it's crazy what happened with traffic. And you would see, obviously there's a lot of mountain ranges that you'd see normally. Uh-huh. But... By like April, yeah, you'd see the depth in range that you could suddenly see because there's of no the pollution. Because there was no pollution, it was absolutely amazing. Oh, I bet. And That's... you're right. And at night, even when I 
formally moved out of Los Angeles and I left October 10th, traffic was still dead. Really? Yeah. What do you think about... So I have two new friends here in Cincinnati. You're, you are a third that I know. The two new friends that I have are recently moved here from Brooklyn. So they're every, all my friends in New York, all but one. I have one friend left in New York. Everyone's like moved away. Yeah. Do you, what do you think about the future of like an LA, New York, like cities? Like this is happening frequent, frequently all over. People are coming to a Cincinnati, to Chicago. I don't, probably not Chicago, but like the smaller I think, big cities. I think the exodus is real. You think it's going to stick? Yeah. I think what's happening is we're obviously in the middle of a global pandemic we haven't had for a hundred years, mm -hmm. but it's never been easier to move, mm -hmm. you know, versus a hundred years ago with the Spanish flu. I think with access to technology and people being able to work remotely. Yeah. Like I'm a prime example. So back to answer your question, I came here May 8th, which was to be here two weeks. Yeah. Just two weeks. Just two weeks. Yeah. And that turned into three and that turned into four. And I have a large family. I'm the second youngest of five boys. Yep. And I got seven nephews and nieces and I was experiencing, I was enjoying so much time home with my dad Yeah. and all that bonding with my brothers, with the kids, with old friends. Mm -hmm. And you see the other side of it. And I loved Venice. I lived in Venice for 12 years, Venice beach, but you also deal with a lot of homeless and a yeah. lot of crackheads. You also have the beach though. You know what I'm saying? Like it's a give and take like anything. Um, and I really enjoyed it. And I ended up doing three months here this summer. And basically, at the end of that tour, so to speak, yeah. I decided I'm moving back. Yeah. Even with my podcast, you know, because again, with technology, yep. we were still doing the show twice right. a week. Right, right. Zoom. You didn't have to stop anything. Yeah. So for me, it was, I want to get back to that and get back to my family mm -hmm. and... I don't like for me, I don't know what my future holds. Who knows? Maybe I'll move back to California. Right. Maybe I'll move back to LA. Um, but I know I feel much happier here right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I the the two women that moved here from Brooklyn, um, one's been here like maybe a month, the other one's been here since May. And it's just been so interesting for me to talk to them. And sure. they're not from Cincinnati. Yeah. They'd never been to Cincinnati before. Like when they moved here, they moved here for significant others. And they're, I just love hearing about their experience, like coming to Big City. And they're yeah. like, it's so, like, they love it. And it's not great. to get into the political stuff, but I think just so many bad decisions have been made by big city politicians. And those bad decisions have only been accelerated through a global pandemic. Right. And a lot of the unrest. And it's exposing a lot of flaws, I would deem. Yeah. In a lot of these cities, like L.A., you know, there's 65,000 homeless people. Uh, it's crazy. Like, that is a serious problem. I always say this. Do you know 65,000 homeless people? Just to give you an idea of, like, what that is, there's 85,000 people, Canadians of Japanese origin, all in the whole of Canada. And I know this because I just did a work project on it. But like, think about that. You hit me with this <laughs> random Wikipedia stat. 85,000 people across the whole of Canada that are Canadian of Japanese origin. And there's 65,000 homeless people in LA. It also says Japanese people do not like the cold. Yes, that's true. They're the ninth largest ethnic group <laughs> in Canada. 
Did you do a book report? Are you in the fourth grade? Um, Did you do a book report? What's no, going on here? No, actually, actually, Twitter is a client of ours, and I'm doing some uh, talent acquisition okay. to manage some programs that they're working on. So I had to, they were looking for a Japanese bilingual candidate in Canada. I didn't know if you suddenly went back to being a fourth grader. That's okay. Uh, interesting. Nope. But anyways, you just, any facts you need to know about bilingual that, that's Canadians, good to know. come to me. And for the record, I could have moved somewhere else in Los Angeles to not be around that. But yeah. within the city limits where Venice Beach is, it's a problem. And this mm -hmm. isn't me being one of those people who's like, it's all homeless everywhere. Because I'm not saying it is. But I moved to LA in June of 2007. Mm -hmm. Versus 2007 versus 2020, it's night and day. Really? Night and day as far as the homeless situation. Why do, you, why do you think it's happening? Look, I don't have all the answers. No one does. And I think it's complex. Yeah. But the decisions they've been making the last 13 years okay. have not only... So it's not like people are just like, I'm going to come to LA and be homeless because it's warm there. I think some people do do that. Some but, people. but there's a lot of mental health. There's a yeah. lot of drugs that, you know, then it relays to like a police problem of them not enforcing stuff. And, yeah. You know, like I said, it's a complex issue. Um, and that, that's just one of the few things and being here now, suddenly everything's obviously a lot cheaper. Yes. Um, which is nice. It's great. It's wonderful. That's great. It I loved, great. I loved here. I have been on this kick for a while, like with everything happening, global warming, this, like, I think Cincinnati's the next LA, like we're going to have the weather soon. <laughs> we're going to have the weather soon. Everyone is moving. And lad, <laughs> this has been my projection for a couple years now, and it's slowly coming When's true. When's the beach hitting here? Well, I don't know about that, but Cincinnati I guess that is, <laughs> is the next LA. I've got, I know a lot of people in the city that are doing really cool shit and like want to bring a lot smoking. of entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> just, just wait, just wait, Andy. Just you wait and see. Look, I, this is what I always say about LA. I love like the weather you seriously I know I be. know I but know there's good and bad in everything yes. you know what I'm saying in the same way as Cincinnati there's gonna be good and bad in everything my advice to everyone is always just do what makes you happy right for sure and for at sure. this time of my life I wanted to be back home and I'm enjoying it yeah I got, I got an arcade I mean come on you you got a huge house yeah I mean yeah. when you you know how you know how small my apartment was? It was 390 square foot. I, it's like the size of this room that we're in right now. Yeah. Maybe a little bit bigger, but. That was my apartment for 10 and a half years. Right. No, it's a similar story across the board. So not to shift gears dramatically, yeah, but to shift gears dramatically. It. When you mentioned it's been the worst year of your life. Yeah. I'd love to talk about grief and sure. you losing your parents. And I talk about grief for kind of frequently on the podcast because I lost my brother two years ago in a motorcycle accident and I've just gotten a ton of response from people just thanking me for bringing light to to talking about grief and loss because it's so taboo in our culture and it's hard to talk about it's uncomfortable it's fucking sad like it's yeah. not it's not a great topic but I'm interested to hear what your experience has been if you'd like to share and sure. not that because I'm I don't think that there's like there has to be a lesson that you learn through grief or that there's this silver lining to be found. Like not for that at all. Really? <laughs> no. 
no, I'm not. So you don't think there's silver linings when you deal with extreme sorrow and grief? I don't think that you have to look for it. Sure. I think that it it can it, yeah. it has happened for me. I've learned a ton about yeah. myself. It has been the most growth internally that I could possibly have experienced. Yeah. Well, there that's your silver lining. Right yes, there. yes, yes. But I don't think that you have to look for it. Like there doesn't have to be this like quest to to yeah. find the good in what happened. Like it can just be fucking sad and terrible and you're grieving. And if Totally agree. something comes out of it and you recognize it, that's beautiful, but that there's an expectation that it should be. Yeah. That's where that's what I mean by that. No, but, I totally get you there. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah, and, and by the way, I think that's important to say that is it's just when you deal with death, it sucks. Like there's there's no other way. There's no other way. Around it. You don't need to sugarcoat it. Like my mom died in January. My dad died about two months ago. And, you know, to have that happen in such a so short span. And my brothers are all married. They mm. all have kids. You know, I'm single. So it's obviously going to affect us all differently. And it's like, my parents were my rock. So to suddenly have, you know, both those rocks taken away, I, it just sucks. It sucks. And I, it's so, I don't know where, where this is coming from, but like when my brother died and we would be grieving and my, my mom would be crying and, and you want to say something, like even to each other, not like we're even looking to comfort each other, but just like you want to say something and literally the only thing that would come out would be like, this just fucking sucks. Yeah. And it was like that phrase, like it sure. sucks. Like, like that is like just where the English speaking brain. You're like, right though. Like, like because there's, there's like, like nothing what else. What you're saying right now, like I can feel like, I haven't known you, but like I feel the energy. Like I get that. Yeah. When you're saying it sucks, I, yes, I've been there. Right. And I've been exactly in that same spot with my brothers or just the other day, you know, we're watching something and I'm thinking about my dad and I'm like, I just said it. This sucks. I know. There's just like, there's, there's no other, there's no other way to put it. And, but you want to like express, you want to say something. Sure. Maybe just because words are how we express ourselves normally, but. And I think, I think, you know, I always tell people, you don't know until you're there. As much as that sucks. I know. When, so it's interesting, you know, you were going through this grieving process um, single. I obviously am married to Ryan and it was the most trying time of our relationship ever. Like I flat out said to him, if we weren't married, I would leave you and it has nothing to do with you. Because I just had this, I just wanted to like be able to grieve alone. Like just to like take that and not, be worried about is he is he sad for me is he sad for my family i'm not being the happy like normal personality that i am this is too much for him to deal like all the guilt on top of me grieving for my brother i was like this would be easier if i could just do it alone sure. like i thought about that so so much and you know he there, it was it was tough too because while yes he had a, a good relationship with my brother it wasn't it's not his brother, you know, and Joe didn't live around us. So we didn't spend as much time with him and like have the relationship that I had with him. And so I, you know, got the feeling too, like you don't really understand. And so I think he had even made this comment of like, I, I, like, I wish I could know what you're going through. And I looked at him I'm like, 
no, you fucking don't. <laughs> like, you don't ever, ever yeah. want to know this feeling. I mean, I knew his sentiment, right? He wants to, like, yeah. be there for it me. It comes from a good place, Yes, for sure. yeah, yeah. But, like, just, that like, caught me in this moment of, like, no, you yeah. don't. You don't want to know. No, I get that. And I've, I've found myself, you find yourself, I don't know if this has happened for you, I find myself connecting with somebody who's lost yes. a close loved one. I, when Joe died, I, I, I really just wanted to talk to people that I knew had lost, had lost people. Like that was where I found my greatest, greatest comfort. I was, you know, kind of fortunate to have a really close friend who lost her younger brother almost, you know, eight years ago before my brother died. But I can remember like that was one of the first people I turned to. And like when I was back in Cincinnati, because he lived in Florida and so we were there a lot and you just like it's, it's, there's this different level of comfort just being around, yeah because you get it and yeah. you don't feel bad or no, awkward it, or yeah that's the big one is the awkwardness you take that out you remove that like like my friend drew who hired me for lance's show you know, he lost both his parents probably within like i think he said like i don't know year year and a half mm. like 10 years ago so close and i and i remember i remember always thinking god i can't imagine that i can't imagine that i can't imagine that i know and here i am in 2020 you know dealing with that but we we had dinner before i left and that was the first time we had seen each other in person Mm -hmm. it's like we were already so tight and i always considered him one of my closest friends and but that connection again through loss through sorrow where I'm just looking at him. He's looking at me. It's like we get each other. Yeah. We've yeah. been we've been down this shithole together in a weird way, in a shitty way, right? Yeah. That we understand the sentiment and the emotion and that that range, which, as you know, goes from it's, anger, God, sorrow, it's frustration. It's it's such a range of emotions. Yeah. And and for you, what your dad passed away when October? He passed away uh, September twentieth. <laughs> September. Okay, so it's like weeks, months. Like yeah, that is. I was in just a place like for the first year. Really, is just like I don't know. Like you just don't now, even. Are, are you like? No, what's going on? I'm very open emotionally. Is in like I cry a lot, and I'm yeah. open about it. Yeah. No, I I I cried a lot um but what I found so this is great but I and I don't know for you I had a pretty traumatic childhood okay and so and I thought like I'd worked through all that and I thought like I was good I'm like this you know woke rationalized human and my brother's death just like it was like the dam was washed away. It was like, I thought I put up all these ni- nice little walls and boxes and I was like, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. I've got, I'm, my life is secure, my life is good. And this just like. The dam broke. The dam broke. And so it was really interesting for me to recognize now as a fucking 30 year old, my initial gut reaction to like dealing with trauma. Yeah. And so I like did, I, it, I like did not want to be comforted like I didn't, I, I felt anything that like people were doing things for me or like even just like hugging me. I was like, it's it's too much. Like I, I don't, 
And I think it would just really came back to, I would just be comfortable doing things on my own and not having to rely on other people. And like that was, that came up. Did you find things that would at least sometimes alleviate the pain or anything, whether it's creatively or physically that would help you cope? So I, I released the first episode of the podcast, July 6th of 2018. He died on July 21st of 2018. So it was like just starting. Wow. So I like threw myself okay. into the podcast. Yeah. And what made me feel better were people, being around people. Like I can't imagine if he would have died this year in the pandemic. I, I don't, I was out all the time. I just wanted people around, like just to hang out and yeah. like go out with. That was really like sure. what made me feel better. But I, But even that's a silver lining. Yeah, no, I mean, I I know it sounds crazy. Like I've thought about that. You know, my mom, she passed away January 8th, right before COVID. And I always say, yeah, at least, you know, we got to do a proper funeral. You know, again, it's, it's these small silver linings and everybody got to get together and the family and all these things. And, you know, I try to find those and trust me, I get it. Like, yeah, no, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's, that's, you know, it, this, everything sucks and we all cope with it in our different ways. I'm fortunate that the last few years, I think I've really been working hard on my own shit that I need to get in order. Yeah. Right. And things that I know that help me. Yes. You know how to take care of yourself. At least from an emotional side to understand myself. And, and I know obviously a lot of this is about fitness and and I tell people like the three things, and my listeners will say this, I was a completely different guy four years ago. I was a lot angrier. I was a lot just shorter. Mm. I tell people, these are the few things that help me. Definitely physical exercise, like yeah. cardio. You got to release the energy. Yeah. Smoking weed. Yeah. yeah. Edibles, whatever. Cannabis. Like I'm a huge advocate of that. Yeah. Uh, I started doing sensory deprivation. Oh, yeah. Two and a half years ago. Wow. Yeah. So one of the big ones, uh, he's a nut job named Crash. I had him on an old podcast. He actually, he's been on Rogan's show a few times. He built Rogan's. It's called the Float Lab thing. Oh my God. So he's based in Venice Beach. Rogan's guy. Yeah. So I would go there and that sensory deprivation and therapy, seeing, yes. you know, a psychologist. And just like those few small things, and of course certain books have helped me. Yeah. But like those few small things, I always say, if I didn't have those- You had last, like a foundation. Exactly. Yeah. It's a great way to put it. A foundation before I dealt with all this sorrow and death because at least now I know. Yeah. Here's a great book I want to recommend for Please. everybody. And I gave, I gave this to my brothers. I read it this summer. It's called Man's Search for Meaning. Okay. It's written by Viktor Frankl. Okay. He was I've heard of this before. an Austrian Jewish psychologist who survived- four years from Auschwitz to other concentration camps. And it's not a long book. It's only 160 pages. But I tell people, this book is so great because not only did he survive, but he was a psychologist. So he writes about it and created his own sort of therapies from his experience. I tell people, if this guy who lost his brother, his parents, his wife, and his child, all during the war in concentration camps, if he can find a search for meaning, hence the title of the book, then we all can. Yeah. Well, I think it's, you perfectly illustrated why 
self-care is important, like why yeah. you have these routines and rituals in place in your everyday life, because they're building this foundation of when shit hits the fan sure, and it's going to, yeah. it might not be the death of whatever it is. You've built this like a foundation for yourself. You're like, you, you know what you need to get back to, to kind of like get you to baseline. And 100%. maybe it's not going to work a hundred percent every time, but like you're going to have you're going to have that there for you as a resource. So like I, when my brother died, I, I like the next day I went to an Orange Theory class. Yeah. Like fitness for me, I had some great advice from a friend who had lost someone really close to him. And he was like, try to keep like some anchor, you know, some like anchor of your routine. Not saying that you got to get up and, every, you know, do your whole whatever it is. It's true. But something that is going to be constant for you and for me that was like going to the gym working out that always had been that's a great piece of advice by the way yeah to keep something constant yeah it really is yeah and it's i mean it's terribly difficult it's terribly difficult but but at least even sometimes in those moments where even if you're working out and thinking about your brother during that workout i bet how many times afterwards are you happy or you feel better yeah emotionally physically yeah no every time sometimes the day would be like okay i'm just waiting to do this one hour workout because i know for this one hour yeah i'm not going to think about him for the whole hour i'm like, it, sure it, like it's not there might be times that it creeps in whatever but it's going to be a time where i'm going to like kind of get a yeah some mental space for a little bit and, that, and i think that's for me is i've lived alone since 2010 yeah and I've never lived with anybody. Oh. Like I've never lived with a girlfriend or so like and I've basically worked for myself. So yeah. so when you're dealing with all this, like I need to learn how to just keep myself busy and like I haven't joined a gym here yet. Obviously the pandemic's kind of thrown everything yeah. off. Right. Um, but I want to get back into the physical side too, because like I see myself like maybe going next level if I want to go there as far as like you know, marathons, like you were talking about triathlons yeah. or going to that part of pushing your body and kind of maximizing your potential. Yeah. Cause that's the reason I brought it up earlier. Like I look at myself, I always, you know who I love and he's a, he's a lunatic, but I love him. You know, David Goggins. Oh, of course. <laughs> he's talk about screws loose up here. Like there is something wrong with that guy. But he's so awesome. He's so awesome. So I read his book. Of course, I've heard him on yes. Rogan. I'm yes. sure you've heard him on Joe yeah. Rogan. I listened to his his book. Oh, he, you did? Yeah, he has an audio book. And then after each chapter, it's like him and... Can't hurt me. Someone else. Yeah. And they're just like kind of chatting about the chapter. It's really cool. It's really... It's it's a good audio book. But, but I love what he talks about, Chrissy. He's like maximizing your potential. You know, whether that's... Which I'm not doing with my Instagram filters. Well, hey, you do, maybe you are. Maybe you're maximizing that Instagram <laughs> I, that filter to the, 100%. Yeah, you're right. You're but you know right. what I'm saying? Whether it's through work, through relationships, through physically, like, and I think about this all the time, and I got to do a better job my, myself of just, like, trying to maximize. Because the thing I've learned the most through all this is, like, we're, you're not guaranteed anything. No. You're not. Mm -mm. None of us are guaranteed anything in life. Yeah. Like, life can be so short. It can be long we, yeah. we don't know i know so just try to take advantage of it and make the most of it i know that's so corny and that's so cliche but it's so true but it, it but that's why it's a cliche because it, 
it's true. Yeah. It's true. Well, this is a great time to ask the question of what does being fit mean to you? That's such a deep question. That's why I ask it. I think fit to me, I think, you know, to me it's the combined physically and mentally, emotionally, I think. Yeah. I think they're so important and I think they're so connected. I'm a firm believer and I, I, it's funny, I used to battle my mom with this somewhat and I do it still with my brothers of like the mind-body connection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I firmly believe in that. It's, I mean, honestly, I don't think that this should be a, a belief or a not belief. Like it should be just a fucking fact. So I've There had, is a mind-body connection. I have battled extreme lower back problems. Oh yeah, I got a guy for you if you're looking for one. It's all up here. Oh. So like this is what I'm saying. Like I read this another book uh, called Healing Back Pain by Dr. John Sarno. And like last, it'll come out when I'm having really stressful times. In my oh, life. yeah. And they say it'll come out, right? The mind yep. body, physically. Yep. I have I have something like that with my upper back. So like last Monday, a week ago, I could barely move. Oh. Barely move to the point where I'm laying on the ground. Like I did my podcast and then afterwards I laid in the ground for like an hour. That was in that much pain. Do you need me to get you like a little life alert or something since you're by yourself? <laughs> I'm worried about you. Do I, need to, do I need to send a wellness check well, look, from people? My brothers, my brothers are good. They come over a okay, lot. Okay, good. Okay, good. I'm yeah, just making sure. I have sure. a very supportive family. I'm just looking out for you. Life alert. Help. I've, you're probably too young. For that. Do you remember those commercials? Yes, help. Of I course. fall and I can't yes, get up. Okay. That's what I'm thinking. Okay. That's what you just described to me. Yeah. So I was in a lot of pain last Monday, but he talks about fighting through it because it's all up here. And obviously I've been through a stressful year, a very stressful yes. few months. So I fight through it. So Tuesday, I'm like, just fight through it. Back was in still so much pain. I was like, you said you're going to Trader Joe's, get in your little car, go to Kenwood, <laughs> go shopping, get your goddamn kale, get your, get your or- cauliflower gnocchi. Yeah, yeah, get your organic food. And I did. And then Wednesday, I was supposed to help my aunt in Coleraine uh, rake the leaves. And I was going to cancel the night before because I was in pain. I was like, no, just fight through it. By Thursday, my back was fine. So it goes back to my point. There was nothing physically wrong with me. It's like you're hold, you're, you must be holding tension and stress somewhere that's pulling on your back somewhere. Like that's, exactly. what, that's what's really happening. Exactly. So for me, when you talk about being fit, it's about just trying to balance the mental stuff. And I've also have not been running. I haven't been working out. And so I think then it's going to come out too because yeah. I'm not putting that release out there. Yeah. Yeah. So it, to me, it's about finding that balance and find what works for you. Yep. And to continue to just improve upon that. Yeah. I love it. Thanks so much, Andy. This has been a delight. Thank you. It's been I, so I wonderful. Agree. It's been fun. Where can people follow you on Twitter? You're not active on Instagram, so you don't have to shout that out. But well, they're both the same. It's just Andy Ruther. Andy Ruther. And then they can find the Dirty Sports podcast and everywhere you find your podcast, listen to podcasts. Everywhere podcasts are available. Yeah. yeah. Cool. And you're a big shot, monetized and all. We'll have to chat about that. You can give me some tips. I will. Listeners, thank you so much. Follow on Insta at What the Fit Podcast. Me at Chrissy Grody. See what I'm wearing. Get some inspiration. Um, look at me not using filters. If you like the idea of more people hearing this podcast, rate, review, um, share to your socials. Thanks so much, guys. <laughs>